This is the GDC Life Podcast. So I'm going to speak about biblical blueprints on how to do church the biblical way. I'm going to do my best to do that. So can you, can you really stretch your hand out towards me because I need help? But then also put your hand on your heart because you need help to hear and understand. So really, I'm serious about this. Father, I thank you that you would help me to make this clear with clarity, with simplicity, yet with your wisdom that's found in your word, that we would go back to the word of God and do, do church, do Christianity according to the word, the blueprint that's in the Bible. Father, we want to go back to your word. We thank you that you are doing this worldwide. You are doing this globally. You are bringing your people back, your church back to Jesus. You're bringing it back to the word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And everyone says... Amen, amen. All right. So, you know, I became a Christian at the age of 19. Radically, radically touched, radically saved. Uh, turned my back on the world in a big way. And uh, at the age of 22, if you're good at maths, that's three years and a half. It was about three years and a bit. And I started a church. And think about it. I didn't go to Bible college. Um, I, st- I devoured the Bible. I devoured the Bible. But I'm a young Man, 22 years old, that's hungry for God, in love with Jesus, passionate in love with Jesus, passionately in love with the lost. But I started the church in a home, my mum's home. So who knows that I have no formal training, I have no understanding of what church life should be. I have no blueprint, I have no way to build, I don't really know how to build. I just know, I, just, I know I love Jesus, I know I love people, and I'm trying to reach people, right? And so... After about two or three years into the life of the church, we, slew, we grew slowly. Um, about the you know, first one or two years, I was, we as a church were going to um, you know, Oxford Falls at Phil Pringle. We were going to, you know, having lunch with some of the pastors and, and some of the pastors even from Hillsong. And why, why was I doing that? I knew as a pastor, we need to connect with someone. We can't do this alone. I knew that. I knew we had to be under accountability. We had to be in submission. We had to be in a part of, you know, some, a, a group of churches. We need to be in relationship and so on. And we were looking and searching for about two or three years. And then I heard about someone by the name of Dudley Daniel who was apostolic in, 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 in his call. And he still is. He's still alive. He's still preaching and sharing on the word. And um, he was leading an apostolic movement of churches in South Africa and had come to Adelaide in 1990. Actually, he came in 89. I started the church in 1990. In God's providence and God's wisdom, he knew someone like Leo was going to need to connect with a translocal team. What's a translocal team? It's found in Ephesians 4. We're going to read it in a moment. Ephesians 4, if you know your Bible, it says that apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, God gives them to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You need all five to grow in maturity. So I needed desperately, this church needed desperately to be in partnership with apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. We're talking about this because we're about to have an equip. We've been with them for about 29, 30 years. That's pretty amazing. One thing I know about apostolic ministry, please understand this. In Ephesians 2, I'm going to give you scriptures. You can write them down. It'd be good. If this is all new to you, write it, write it down and check it out. Don't just take my word for it if you don't know me. Some of you know me and you know, I know, I know Leo. If he says it's in the Bible, it's going to be there. But that's trust. That's called trust. But if you don't know me, write it down and check it. But Ephesians 2 verse 20 says that the, the Lord builds the church on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. 
So Jesus Christ is everything. He is the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. From that chief cornerstone, you built everything in those days. You lined up every other stone from that chief cornerstone. That's how they built in those days. But the apostles and prophets were the foundation. So when you build a foundation, you can't see the foundation of this building, can you? Foundation is something you don't see, but you desperately need. If it's not there, the, the building will crumble. And I've seen, I've been around for 30 years. I might look really young to you, but I've been around for a while. <laughs> you know, what are you talking about, Leah? <laughs> you don't look young. But, but I've been around for a while, and I've seen churches, that all good intention, all, even pastors and leaders and prophets and evangelists, great intention, but try to do life or do church on their own. And they might be okay for a few years. Sometimes it takes 15, 20 years, but they lose their way because they don't have apostolic foundations. Because it's, it's desperately needed. I'm telling you, it's desperately, and you don't even realize. You, I mean, what we need is the Word of God. And the Word of God says we need these foundations. We need to be built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. There's a scripture in, um, I want to show you something, in, uh, something that happened in the Old Testament. But things happened in the Old Testament was for our learning, the Bible says, in the New Testament. It actually says the things that happened there is we can look at it and glean and learn from it. One of the major things that happened, we find the, the correction or the, after a few years it got fixed in First Chronicles. You can, write, you can write it down again, have a look at it. First Chronicles chapter 15, verse 12. I'll tell you the backstory. They wanted to move the Ark of the Covenant from one place into Jerusalem. They knew the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. Okay? Think about it. It, it. it represents the presence of God. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, it was blessing people's homes. It was blessing wherever it was, wherever it was seated and, and uh, living or abiding. And, and then and, and David thought to himself, we need the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. It's getting blessed over there. The house is getting blessed. Everyone in the people is getting blessed. We want it. So you know what they did? Now think about this for a second. They knew better, but they didn't, know, they didn't do what they should have done. They thought to themselves, let's put the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart because everyone else uses a new cart. And maybe the Philistines, they, they use the new cart. Let's, what, what, it's going to get it from A to B. It's convenient. It gets the job done. Let's put the Ark of the Covenant on the, on the new cart. And with the, with the cows or whatever it was, the bulls would pull it. So it must be a pretty heavy thing. So they put it in a new cart, and now they're bringing it from one place to another place. And you know the story? It stumbled. It started to move. Uzziah put his hand out, good intentions, put his hand out to touch it. But guess what? He got struck dead. He died. He got struck dead. First of all, he's a priest. He should have known better. All the priests should have known better. Why, Leah, should have they known better? Because it was really, really clearly described by Moses to move the Ark of the Covenant. You're supposed to put it on the priest of the shoulders. There was a specific way God wrote down, specific, specified, ordained. It was an ordinance. The way you move the Ark of the Covenant is on the priest of the, sho- the shoulders of the priest. You go, Why? What, what's the difference? What, what does it matter? It matters to God. Because it was to speak about the presence of God is carried on the shoulders, that's the government, of the priests. God was looking into the New Testament that the, that the New Testament are going to carry the people. Who are the priests in the New Testament? What does the Bible say about the priests in the New Testament? The priesthood of all believers. Every believer is a priest unto God. Okay, not just the guys up here. 
Everyone, if you're a believer, you're a, you're called out saint, and you're a priest. The priesthood of all is a royal priesthood. It talks about that we're a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. Every believer, if you come to know Christ and born again, and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and He's filled you with your Spirit, you're actually a priest. So how do you how do you carry the presence of God on the shoulders? Again, that's the polarity. We carry the presence of God. All of us do. And if we don't, you're doing it wrong. It's the wrong blueprint. If we don't do it, you, you, we, we, I'm doing it. Really, that's just the first little thing. But look what happened. David got so upset. The Bible says David got angry because Uzziah was his mate. He's thinking, why? Why would God strike him? Why would, the, why would he die there? Why was the judgment so heavy? The presence of God was so thick he couldn't handle it. He died. We don't know the whole reason, but you know what? David was upset and he didn't want to touch the ark for a number of years. Eventually, he obviously sought out the word and started to realize, hang on a sec, the reason why that broke out, the reason why the judgment broke out is we didn't do it the prescribed way. And so you find it here in um, 1 Chronicles chapter 15, pick it up from verse 13 even. It says, because you did not carry it at the first, when, you, when that happened and the judgment came. The Lord our God made an outburst on us. We did not seek Him according to the ordinance. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. The sons of the Levites carried the ark of God on the shoulders with the poles thereon. And Moses had, as, sorry, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. So Moses had commanded, this is what the word of the Lord is, you carry it this way. And they were nonchalant. Who cares? Yeah, we know that, but we'll do it our way. Who says that's, that's, who knows that's a very wrong attitude to have. But you know, in the New Testament, we do that a lot. I'm talking about us as a church. We don't know any better. We're doing our best. We're walking with all the light we've got, but we do it a lot. There's, a, there's another scripture in Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 5, okay? Just want to show you something. It says, um, the writer of Hebrews is talking about when God revealed to Moses the pattern of the tabernacle. Pattern of the tabernacle was the showbread supposed to be here, the candlestick supposed to be here. And there's the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, the priest goes in once a, once a, uh, a year with the, not the, with the blood, you know, to go in. And, and had all these utensils, had all these meanings, all reasons. The showbread was a reason. The candlestick was for a purpose and a reason. Everything was a reason in the outer courts and then in the Holy of Holies. And the way into the Holy of Holies was not made known yet. This is what Hebrews says. Because Jesus was not yet crucified. But when he was crucified, then the veil was torn. And now anyone can go into the Holy of Holies because Jesus went in for us. Now, I just want to read here. It says here, who served. This is talking about... um, the, 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 the tabernacle that Moses built, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. The one that God told Moses to build was exactly like the one in heaven. God has a holy of holies in heaven. He has an altar, he has a, he's a mercy seat, and so on. And God wanted, I, I want you to do this because it's all going to speak. It's all going to say something. It's all going to be for a reason and a purpose. And as Moses was admonished of God, when he was about to make the tabernacle, he was admonished by God. He, he was told by God. He was commanded by God. He says, See, saith he, God, that you make all things according to the pattern showed to you on the mount. So when Moses was face to face with God, those 40 days, God showed him exactly how to make that Old Testament tabernacle. And there was a lot of detail in it, Old Covenant, a lot of detail. In the New Testament, this there's actually less detail, but don't you think God has a way to show us how to build a New Testament church? 
He did it in the Old Testament. But imagine if God, Moses thought, hang on a sec, God, I know you said the outer court should be like this, but it's, I think I've got a better way. If, it's, if we do it this way, it's quicker to go into the Holy of Holies. It makes it more practical. Now, I, Moses was smart enough not to try to tell God how he should do it. He just did it exactly as God showed him. It was for a reason, because everything you do here is the real one. It's, it's the type and a shadow of the real one that's in heaven. You aren't to alter it in any way. When we alter the New Testament pattern of Christianity, I believe judgment comes on us. Not God's desire, not God's will, not God. God doesn't want it to happen. Let's, I'll just give you one little altar, uh, altar that we do. We alter it. When there's one man, one woman, main anointed preacher. Hallelujah. And he's the anointed one. We all come to hear him. And it's a, it's a preaching hall. It's consumers. You're just consuming. You come to receive. That is wrong model. He's the anointed one. Let him lay hands on us. Yes, let him prophesy over us. Let him give us the word of knowledge and the gifts of the spirit. It's, it's good to demonstrate it, but we should demonstrate it because we can all do it. In the New Testament, you read it. Ephesians 3, now, now we go to Ephesians 4. Please hear me. This is, just, this is one little example. But I'm telling you, we've done that. Over the past, in the, in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 60s, in the 50s, we built a lot of stuff on one person. And a lot of, some churches were built on personality of that one person. And they were great anointed people. Don't, don't get me wrong. And God uses every area of maturity that we're at. He's not going to say, I won't, I won't use them. He'll use us. He's trying to bring us somewhere. He's trying to bring us into maturity. He's trying to bring us into the simplicity of obeying the word of God. Do you following me? And, and we're all learning. We're all growing. We, we, we have no... I feel like, God, we've got so far to go as a church. So we're all learning. We're all growing. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Look, I'll just show you something here. Something is... I mean, Ephesians 4. Paul the Apostle wrote Ephesians 4, right? To the Ephesus church. And they had a massive revival. You can read it in Acts chapter 19 and 20. So massive that the silversmith were getting angry. They were making idols for everyone to buy the idols and people stop buying them. That'd be a great revival when people don't want to buy idols anymore and they got angry because they are losing their income and they created a riot in the city. So it wasn't just 10% loss of sales. We're talking about really big. We're talking, it's threatening their lifestyle. It's a big revival. There's a theater, the theater's still there. The theater sits about 15, 20,000 people and it was packed and it was a riot because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of the kingdom. That people forsook idols and worshipped the living God. Paul, I'm telling you, as an apostle, writes a letter to this church, Ephesus, a strong church. And Paul is a genius in writing this letter. We, we take it for granted. But we're reading the words of someone who when he preaches, some people fell asleep. It always encourages a preacher when, you, when someone falls asleep. If you fall asleep, it's okay because they fell asleep with Paul. He's on the third story and the guy was on the windowsill and the guy falls down and dies. And Paul goes down and hugs him and says, okay, his life's in him. He comes back to life. He literally raised him from the dead right in front of everybody. That's, that's something, isn't it? I want to know what that guy has. I want to know what that guy carries. I want to know what that guy teaches. I want to know what, what that's, what's the revelation of that guy that could just hug someone back to life. It doesn't even say he prayed for him. It's another story. Maybe he did, but he just hugged him. He says, his life's in him. The anointing that's on him, boom, raised him from the dead. And so when you read, uh, we're not going to do it. We are going to do it in the next few weeks after the equip time. But 
Because Tyrone is going to see Tyrone is the apostolic leader of the NCMI team. The, the NCMI team is what we find here in apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. It's a makeup of people that have those gifts. Does that make sense? It's a translocal apostolic prophetic team. It's called NCMI. So there's no such thing as an NCMI church in, in the world. Did you know that? And so, so many times, even guys that have known for a while, they say, oh, we're an NCMI church. Well, there's no such thing as an NCMI church. We're a local autonomous church that partners with an NCMI team. Does that make sense? So there's no such thing as an NCMI church. There's no NCMI headquarters, by the way, and there's no NCMI building. Because NCMI are people that are gifted, that are apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, all based in churches. Biblically, that's exactly how they did it in the book of Acts. It's exactly the same. So we're trying our best to say, okay, if it's in the Bible, we'll do it. If it's not in the Bible, we won't do it. Because that's how you get back to the blueprint that's in the Bible. You'll be surprised how much this helps us and is healthy. Like we're doing our best to have a healthy church. Some people come in, I feel the presence of God. I feel health. I feel, I feel, you know, there's something different about here. I'm telling you, one of the reasons it's different is we're doing our best to build according to the Bible. And we don't, we're not perfect. We don't get it right all the time. We're doing our best to keep changing, transforming to every single one of us to become more like Jesus. But we need all five apostle, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. Have a quick read in verse Verse 11, is Jesus who gave gifts to men. Jesus unwrapped himself because he's, he's the greatest apostle, greatest prophet, greatest pastor, greatest evangelist, greatest teacher. He unwrapped himself and gave parts of himself to people. And those people are gifts to the whole church, not just to one particular church. The whole church. We haven't got time, but if you read earlier on, you see that Paul is making an argument. There's only one body, one Lord, one faith, one God, one spirit, one Father. What's he trying to say? There's only one. If we see ourselves as more than one, then this doesn't work properly. Oh, the church down the road, nothing to do with us. Like We don't have unity. The unity is the unity of the faith, not the unity of methodology, not the unity of personality, not even the unity of some doctrines that are side doctrines. We're, not, we're talking about the unity of the faith would be this. If you believe there's only one way to heaven and it's only through the sacrifice of G- the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross and you repent and give your life to Jesus, that's the only way to heaven. That's the only way to the Father. Then you, you belong to the unity of the faith. One more step. Then you've got to have that outworking in obedience. If you say to me, yeah, I, do, I did accept Jesus Christ, but I'm, I'm just free. I just live myself my own way. I, live, I just go, I sleep around all the time. And you're married? No, I'm not married, but I just sleep around with everybody. But I still love Jesus. Well, that's not the unity of the faith. Because there's going to be a response. Without faith, faith uh, sorry, works, work without faith is dead. So when you have real faith, you have corresponding actions. You're going to be obedient. Okay, so there is that step we need to understand. Have a look. Jesus gave, Jesus gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. What are they for? What's their job description? All five of them for the equipping of the saints. That means if we're not exposed to all these authentic gifts, we won't be ever equipped properly. There's already one thing there. Equipped means to mature, to grow, right? Look, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Who does the work of the ministry? The saints do the work of the ministry. How we've done it, we've get the evangelist in and let him preach the lost and bring all the lost in while he comes in. He does the evangelizing and no one knows how to evangelize. That's not the biblical model. The evangelist is to come in 
to equip the saints to evangelize. If you have a mindset that, okay, I sit under this pastor and the pastor, we, we bring our tithes and offering and see, we're consuming. Remember I said before that we come as a consumer? We, you shouldn't be coming as a consumer. Some of you just see yourselves as a consumer. Come, if the music's nice, I've got a nice children's ministry, the building's nice, and then, I might join that church. You should be praying, God, do you want me here? Yes. Right? And you're not just a consumer, you should be employed by the king. You're in a, there's an employment involved. There's an engagement involved. I'm telling you, this is the word. Because you're a part of the body and every part of the body does work. It, it has action. It, it, it's created a liver, a kidney, you know, all the intestines and all the heart and the eyes. It all does something in the body. So if you're part of the body, which is very important, that's how God sees us, then you do something. There's action. There's, you're, you're, you're connected. You're giving life. You're receiving life. You're giving life. So it's a wrong model when we just create consumers consumer Christianity very wrong model actually so if we think the pastor well come I bring my tithes on everything if someone's sick get the pastor to pray for them if someone's going for a hard time get the pastor to visit them if someone's going for a marriage counseling get the pastor to counsel them if something happens get the pastor and some people's mentality has been like this in the past the pastor does everything when it comes to ministry very wrong model because that will only hit 50 you probably hit 50 people maybe 100 people at the most depending on the capacity of the leader it might even hit four or five hundred but if you've got the wrong model in place, what's the pastor supposed to do? According to this scripture, the pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So if I'm a pastor, I should equip you to shepherd others, to care for others, to disciple others, to love others. If I'm a true pastor, according to the word, I actually am anointed to teach you how to shepherd. If I'm a prophet, I don't just do all the prophesying and demonstrate the prophetic gift and wow you with it. Because that's the temptation of the flesh, to wow everybody with it, rather to teach everyone to prophesy. We'll be a completely different church if we actually go go back to the Bible and believe it. And and we do our best here in in GGC as elders, we do our best, we pray, we seek God. How do we get this in our church? How How do we relate with them? How do we partner with them correctly, ongoingly, so they actually do that in party? Because it goes on to say, for the work of the ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ. It's the only way you're going to be built up. You're not going to be built up another way. I'm telling you now, it's impossible. I can tell you 100%, it's, it won't happen. If you sit under the greatest teacher on this planet and only receive from them, they could be the greatest anointed teacher ever. You still won't grow up into maturity. You can sit under the greatest pastor and only sit under the greatest pastor, and he could be the, the most anointed pastor ever, you still won't grow up into maturity. Because it's not God's model or blueprint. God's model, God's blueprint is all five. Because you need all five emphasis. I've seen prophetic leaders that are pastors of church lead the church. They're in partnership with an apostolic team, doing fine and amazing because apostolic anointing keeps them on the main track. The apostle is the foundation. The apostle will keep you loving Jesus, preaching Jesus, emphasizing Jesus. It's all about him. Make sure you're in love with Jesus because if you do things outside of your love for Jesus, you'll end up right off track. Might stay off, you know, one, one millimeter off and I do this for myself, my self-glory. I want a, a ministry. I want this. And I've seen prophetic guys when they stop relating, partnering. It might take 15 years, but after 15 years, they're way off. Their marriage, marriage busts up. Just recently, I heard recently again, marriage busting up and they're no longer in ministry. Why? Because they didn't have any partnership. Real partnership according to the Bible. What does it say? Let's go, let's go on. 
to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. So the church down the road, if they believe Jesus is the only way to heaven, they're, they're, we're in unity with them. We can, we can harvest the church, we can harvest this city for, for Jesus together. We can work together. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Come into the unity of the faith and the maturity and the knowledge of the Son of God that we are, we actually are sons and, God, sons and daughters of God to a mature man. That word's maturity, mature man. In other words, these fivefold ministry being exposed, receiving from them impartation, equipping, training, maturity, growth, feeding. When we're all exposed to them correctly, we will grow up into maturity. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result, we are no longer children. That word children means a baby that can't speak. So if you've got a, if you're a, if you're a son and daughter, you should be able to speak because you've got authority. You grow up into maturity. Remember Galatians 4, that babies, even though they're heirs, they're heir, they're heirs of everything, can't inherit it because they've got to grow up into adulthood before they can inherit everything their parents have got. We inherit everything that Jesus died for, but until you grow up, you won't know how to exercise that inheritance. And it's a speaking person, not a baby. And it's saying, if you're not exposed to those five, you'll, you'll remain a baby. You could be a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, but you still remain a baby. Please hear my heart. I'm trying to help us all catch it. I've been to India many, many times, and I've sat in villages and churches where those precious saints are only, usually, it's changing now because of the internet. And I think God's getting the word in in a big way all around the world because the internet's been a great tool for God. And so... Um, some churches I've been to 30 years ago and, and onwards, every, every year almost, they've only received from their pastor. They're faithful. Will they be rewarded in heaven? I think they'll be rewarded greatly because they've had no other teaching. But I'm telling you, I've, I've been there and they are still young. They're babies in the Lord. They could be 20, 30 years in Christ, but they're babies in the Lord because all they've received from one pastor. Well, you know... <laughs> I don't, you know, my mind goes, how do you fix that? You? But God's got a model. God's got a plan. When those churches work together, you, you gather together, and you bring the apostolic prophetic teams in, and you impart, you teach, and they'll grow up into maturity. But just going back to the Bible and believing we need this. So that why, why do we partner with the team? Because we know we need this. We know that I, I'm the first one. I tell it to everywhere I go around the world. I don't usually say it to you guys because you're my church. I do say it, you probably heard me say it, but when I go around the world and travel, I say to the people, if it wasn't for NCMI, I probably be, would, have, I would have been a statistic, 100%. Because I know me, I know my heart, I know where my motives were when I was 22 years old, full of selfish ambition, zeal, yes, we're going to do it, yeah! <laughs> we're going to do it, 200 people, we're going to have 200 people in three months. Sure you are, God's thinking. You don't know what you're doing, he probably is laughing, he's laughing. You know, unless he's trying. I think God loves it. He's trying. He's giving his heart. He's doing everything he knows to do. But if it wasn't God's grace that led us to the team, I would have burnt out. I would have, I would have busted up somehow. I just know I would have. Why? I know the blueprint that they showed us over the years. I, I didn't have the time to study the Bible. I wouldn't even got it on my own. We needed all fivefold ministry to help bring the blueprint on how to build. I just gave you one. There's so many. That's just one personality thing. What about eldership? Do you know in the Bible there's three creatures in the New Testament? Three people, types of people in the church. Can I tell you who they are? Elders, deacons, and saints. That's it. It's very uncomplicated. When you stick to the Bible, it's very simple. 
Because the word bishop means, the, the bishop, overseer, bishop means overseer, by the way. Shepherd and elder all refer to the same person with three different functions. And it's referred that way about three or four different times. It's referred like that to Jesus. He's the bishop of our soul, the overseer of our soul, and he's the shepherd. To even Jesus, who's going to return, who's the shepherd and overseer of our soul. Two functions, one person, Jesus. And the elder is called the overseer. He sees ahead. But he's also a shepherd and he's also an elder. All refer to the same person. So when you have a bishop, we, we used to say like bishops are those that are in charge of many churches. And we've got hierarchical models and, and we call each other names like reverend this and pastor so and so. We tell you don't call us Pastor Leah because you don't need to because I can't see it in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Paul, think of Paul, the great apostle that he was. He wrote down, this is how he, this is how he referred in the letters. Paul the apostle to Timothy my son. He never said Pastor Timothy, and he never said Apostle Paul. Paul, first name basis. The model in the Bible is family. And what we've created is we looked at the world, because we didn't, we didn't want to follow this. We didn't want to look, okay, what's the blueprint? We, we go, look at the world. They've got all these companies, they've got these structures, and it's usually hierarchical. You know, ladders, we call it the corporate ladder, and step on everybody to get higher. It's all about precision, and it usually looks like this. So we go, yeah, well, let's, let's take that one. So we had the same thing. The big guy up top, and the other guy's assistant pastor, and, you know, second in charge, and, and, and it's just, just, just corporate. And we're almost the same as the world. And then you wonder why we don't do family the way we should. Now, so what we did to that was some have revolted to that because that was really bad. And we've seen the judgment come on that because we didn't do it the, blue, the prescribed way. People have turned that upside down. That means a congregation votes to pastor in or out. There are, there are denominations out there that when a pastor leads after seven years, he's just got to move on. They just put a policy in place. Seven years, you've done seven years, we need a new guy now. Imagine that pastor. He's given his life for the sheep. He's supposed to. And all of a sudden, he's, got to, he's just got to move on. So the congregation votes the pastor in. And the pastor, and it's not, that's even a wrong model, because the model is eldership and more than one. Elders. Every time the Bible refers to elders, more than one. There's a plurality of elders that govern and rule. So the highest governing authority in this church is the eldership. Eldership rule in the sense of governance. Not dictatorship. But governance, it's a kingdom government. So the example of how an elder should lead is the way a father leads a home. And the picture of a father leading a home, the Bible says, he's, this is the word, same word for elder. He stands in front of the people. It's family. He stands in front. And when I think of standing in front, it means I live by example. I lead my children, I lead my family by example. I can't tell them to be honest if I'm lying all the time. Don't get angry and don't chuck tantrums if I'm chucking tantrums all the time. I lead by example. You should pray. Read the Bible. And I never pray and read the Bible. I lead by example from the front. That's what an elder does. And then, you, you, then instead of having the world's like company and structure that way, we'll have, a, we'll have God's blueprint. And it's family. I can't explain it. I'm trying my best to explain it. I'm, I'm telling you, these are the things that make unhealthy churches. If you've been burnt, you've been hurt. Christine just spoke to someone and prayed for them that, um, somewhere and, and was, was at a large church and told a, a, a horrific story 
when he was a teenager of just, just craziness. I think, what? How can that be happening in a church? It's crazy. And so Christine apologized. I'm so sorry that happened to you. But he, said, he called himself an atheist, but he used to go to church. He used to be a Christian. And I think it's funny how they get angry with Jesus and they just throw everything in and they say, I'm an atheist now. Instead of saying, well, the church didn't get it right. The church didn't live it right. No, I'm not saying there's any perfect church on the planet. But we, we're doing this for Jesus. But the more we take his word for it, I believe we become more like Jesus. The whole point of this is that we all become like Jesus. And there's so, there's so many things. The emphasis of the apostles when they do, when you have a, you know, a relationship with the apostolic guys, they keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? Keep the mission, the mandate the same. The mandate has never changed. And what's the mandate? To make disciples of all nations. What's the, what, what, what is it? It's, it's the gospel of the kingdom. Not the, not the gospel of this church. I'll bring them to church. No, we preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. The good news of what Jesus did for us brought us into the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king. So we preach Jesus is king and the kingdom we preach. Jesus preached the kingdom. Didn't, do you understand that? We start to get the message right, get the mandate right. And I'm telling you, COVID and all that happened worldwide. Like uh, the enemy, I believe enemy thrusted COVID right across the world. I really believe that. The enemy strategies and all the different things that you might think of. The point is the enemy is the one to kill, steal and destroy. God doesn't do anything to kill, steal and destroy. But in the midst of it, there's a shaking that takes place. A shaking in the church worldwide. Some churches were so built on the personality of one person that when COVID happened, the, the, the numbers, the attendance went down. And some never reopened, they say. Because if you don't keep the main thing, the main thing. I'm telling you, when we partner with the team, they just, what we heard from them is keep the main thing. The method changed. We had to go online. We had to preach the gospel online. True. We couldn't meet in person. But guess what? Nothing changed when it came to the mandate. The message didn't change, but the method changed. The method has changed from 2,000 years ago to now, but the message never changed. So it just, it just makes it clear. The mandate has never changed. The message doesn't change. These things, I'm telling you, the shaking of COVID shook the foundation of what churches are really built on. Because if it was a show, and if it was entertaining, and if it was, oh, wow, come to church, and it was built on that, then when you don't have a meeting in person, who's going to? Go to hear the word of God. Because if it was built on that, I'm saying. There's nothing wrong. We've got all the lights. We've got all the screens. We've got the, but we built it on Jesus. Preach Jesus. Build people to him. That we fall in love with him. Like you, you can get off track. That's why I believe we need all five ministries. Apostles. Um, sorry, I just had a blank mind there. Apostles. Remind me, um, govern, thank you. Apostles govern. There's that governance, that ruling, that, but it's a kingdom governance. It's not, it's not a way the world governs. It's a kingdom government, which I, that's why I spoke about fathering, and it's a father, it's a family. Apostles govern. Pastors guard, and they lay their life down for the sheep. But they feed, they guard. Evangelists gather. They gather the lost, don't they? Completely different to a pastor. 
evangelist if he's in the house. What's wrong with you guys? We've got to reach the lost. Come on, we're just too many, too many gatherings. Get out, let's get out there. His emphasis is, come on, the lost is dying, they go to hell. What's wrong with you? And we can almost get upset with one another and, it's, and, and compete with one another rather than compliment one another. If a mature person, then you'll work together rather than, come on, what's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with them. They're just called to, go, to guard and feed. The apostles are called to govern. The prophet is called to guide. They hear from God and they teach us to hear from God and teaches us to guide prophetic word, prophetic vision. We need all of them. The teacher grounds us in the word. We need absolutely all of them to stay mature. Not just one of them, but all of them. And so we, I'm telling you, the emphasis of this equip is because we primarily relate with them for the last 30, almost 30 years now. I've seen people come and go. I've seen so many people. The church plant we planted was partnering, because you know, we encourage them, partner with the team on your own now. You lead autonomously, but partner with the team through invitation. Right? The apostles don't lead well, the apostles have no authority here unless we invite them in. They do have through relationship. Because remember, everything's relationship. If I mess up, the elders will call the team in and they'll bring direction and correction and discipline. Straight away. That's covering. But you know, you know boards? You know how churches have boards? Why? Why do we have boards? Because the world's got boards. So let's inherit what they've got. Let's put up boards. And one of the main things I think is wrong of a board is a board has usually has people on them that don't even come to the church. They're very financially gifted. They're businessmen. They're, they love Jesus. They love God. They probably go to church somewhere else. But they're on your board to keep you accountable. They don't even see your personal life. Elders, see, I'm, I'm accountable to this eldership team when I'm at home. So if I'm not treating my wife correctly and I'm neglecting her or, or treating her harshly, they should be able to say, hey, Leah, you know, I think you're doing this with Christine and da-da-da. It's because the, the apostolic team uh, and other nations, they can't see how I'm living at home. But I'm accountable to this eldership team. Remember, family, we're doing life together. Or you can have an, you can, it looks like you've got accountability, you've got a board, but you, they never see your life, personal life. And they, they are making decisions and they don't even come to the church. It's not biblical. That's all I'm trying to say. If you use that, or you come to a church, come from a church like that, and if you listen to it online and you do that, I just don't believe it's biblical. You've got to get back to the Word of God. If the, I'm telling you honestly, if the Bible's, if Jesus says when you start a church, make sure you have a board, I would definitely have a board. If Paul preached that and wrote it in the Bible, in Scripture, Holy Scripture, we would have a board. I'll give you my word, we would have a board, 100%. But it's not in there. Amen? And we can say so much more. I'm just trying to help us catch why we do what we do no hierarchy imagine every single is a priest everyone's a priest i heard a lady from another movement in australia prophetess prophet prophet prophetess prophetess thank you she was prophesying online really powerfully it was in the time of covid just coming out of covid about to get back in and she was speaking what she believed the lord was is going to build in what's the lord doing into the church and she was starting to prophesy and saying i really believe that we're all uh that pretty much the presence of god is going to come in our gatherings and presence of god will come in the marketplaces and everyone will be uh anointed by god and it's not just the one or two people but everyone's anointed and and all this stuff no no, no hierarchy and um the presence of god will, will flow and organic in the meetings and, and I'm thinking to myself that's exactly what the Bible says well spot on 
But it's like she, she was reading it in the context of what God's doing new. God's doing new. God is going to do something new when we go back. I'm not going to go back to the same old. God's going to do something new. 100%. He's always wanted to do that though. It was always in the Bible. It wasn't, you know what I'm saying? It was always in the Bible. That's, trying to, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to build. We're doing our best to do that very thing. Remember, sheep don't know what they need. That's why he gave us shepherds. We think we know what we need, but God says, follow shepherds. And shepherds, we're under shepherds. He's our chief shepherd. We're under shepherds. I hope this is making sense, and I know we're at different levels, but I pray that you catch why. And when we emphasize, we, we, we closed our connect groups for this month because we thought, you know what? There's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. If, you, if you're working during the equip, you can try to come Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. We closed our connect groups on purpose for that reason. Because of the importance of us all carrying, receiving the fivefold ministry that's going to be here from overseas and, and going to be with us. This is our first one we're hosting. We've been going to them for about 29 years, uh, most of us. And I encourage you to, to try to make an effort to receive because it is vital to our Christian walk and maturity. Amen. Be blessed because God's got a way. He's got a New Testament pattern. It's very, very clear, very, very biblical. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's family. Jesus said, uh, Paul wrote, the eldest to qualify is like a, a, a father. Actually says, if he doesn't know how to rule his own house well, doesn't know how to rule his children, then he's not, if he can't take care of his own home or his own family, he's not fit to lead the church. Wow. That's an interesting qualification. Just going back to the qualification of an elder is a beautiful blueprint. Because you put someone up that's charismatic and doesn't have his life in order, they build, they build, gather, gather, and when they fall, it hurts people. And so I, I apologize on behalf of the church if you've been hurt in, in any church. Just forgive them. They're doing their best as well. We're all doing our best. People have been hurt in our church, I'm sure. You know? Many, many times. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your amazing, amazing word. You made it clear. You, you gave us the right gifts, the blueprint, the pattern. The wineskin is in the Bible. Lord, we want to be flexible wineskins so we can handle the new wine from heaven. Father, we don't want to be old, rigid, old wineskins that can't handle new wine. We want to build the banks so the river could flow. Lord, we don't want to ever become a marsh. Father, we want to have strong banks in place so we can take the, the river of life flowing through in us, through us, into the world. And we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Give us ongoing understanding as we read the Word, as we open up the New Testament for ourselves. With what we see, Lord, you open up the truth to us in Jesus' name. And everybody says... Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. If you'd like to partner with us, you can visit ggclife.com forward slash give. We hope you have an amazing week. Be blessed.